What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, everyone. Welcome to an awesome Monday, Football Monday, here on the SB Nation NFL Show, presented to you by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code SBNFL, because life is more fun when you are in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions do apply. Void or prohibited. See DraftKings.com. For details, today is Monday, February 12th, 2024, which means Super Bowl 58 is in the books. We're going to break it down in totality. You can listen to our show, though, as we do that. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe on Apple devices, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, etc. Search for the SB Nation NFL show, but you can do so also on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can watch us do it live or after the fact. Uh, when I say us, the incredible Rachelle Prevet, who was burning the midnight oil last week, is on the ones and twos. My name is RJ Ochoa, and as you can see, my voice is not fully recovered. I'm from Blog of the Boys. The two most preeminent writers from SBNation.com joining me now, each with an incredible story to tell, I'm sure, from their experiences and adventures last week. They are Mark Schofield and J.P. Acosta. Can you please tell us how snugly that Williams kit fits you and what it feels like on your skin? It is perfect. And I have to say that as excited as I am that they got me this like like team kit, which is fantastic. It has this nice little zipper up here too, which I assume is for like pens and stuff when you're taking notes during a race. They gave me like this old school Abercrombie and Fitch sweatshirt that has like all this sorts of William stuff and some of their stats from like the 2000s when they won like 17 races and had 40 podiums and were one of the better teams in F1. And I kid you not, my friends, it is the softest thing I have ever put on my body. Like, it is so soft. I would wear it every single day if I could. Sounds like you don't have any reason to take it off then. Uh, JP, um, you know, some people in life have become identifiable for one physical attribute. And I think for you, it's the black Mickey Mouse cap. Uh, I feel like anywhere I look and see you, um, you are rocking that. And I feel like that's a, a you know banner of pride that you probably choose to wear as you wear it for us straight from uh, Sin City itself, Las Vegas. Yeah, I think it's going to be my thing now. Kirk Cousins said he enjoyed, he liked the hat, and we spent a lot of time talking about Disney. His favorite park is Epcot, so now we're best friends. But had a good time in Vegas. Um, I'm very tired, but we move. Uh, it is almost 9 a.m. local for you, JP. It is almost noon for you and uh, Mark and Rachel. It's almost 11 for me. That is the power of the Internet is that it connects us all towards one another. Uh, Super Bowl 58 is indeed in the books. The Kansas City Chiefs were victorious over the San Francisco 49ers, 25 to 22 in the second game of all games to go to overtime. We went 50 of these bad boys without a single overtime played. And now in the last eight years, we've had two of them. It was uh, kind of a boring game uh, with a bit of a tense, exciting sort of finish um, that left one team very happy and one team very sad. JP, you were there. Obviously, you've been there all week long. You and I got to, you know, bump fists and do all sorts of fun things while in Las Vegas. 
overall takes immediately 30,000 foot perspective, up close perspective, whatever you want on Super Bowl 58. I think it's time that we start calling Patrick Mahomes the greatest quarterback ever. I think I am ready to do that. It's not only the stats, but the gravity that you feel when you play against Patrick Mahomes. Your game plan changes because of Patrick Mahomes. We've talked about on this show multiple times this season how team going into a, a game, we thought the teams were going to like stick with what they know, stick with what got them to the dance. And then they go pass happy or try and beat Mahomes in a shootout because you don't want to give the ball to Patrick Mahomes with the game on the line. Well, guess what happened on Sunday? The, the Niners went kind of pass happy to begin the second half. And then, you know, Patrick Mahomes ripped their heart out. But it's that gravity. It's the force that he plays with. And just the, it felt inevitable, you know, like it felt like as soon as he stepped on the field, they were going to go down and score both times to, to tie the game and then to win the game. Like we were sitting in the uh, Wim Casino and there was just, after all the excitement of like Niners fans, going, oh, we scored. It's like, oh, there's a minute and 53 seconds left. And we're giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. He's going to go down and score. So we need to get ready for overtime. It's not we need to get ready to win the game. Like we're going to win a Super Bowl. It's we have to go to overtime. And then when they get the field going overtime, it's like, oh, no, we might lose this game. It's it's a force and a gravity that is rarely seen from from quarterbacks. And it's only seen from the greatest players of all time. Mark, as I mentioned, the game obviously went to overtime, and the other, of course, uh, involved your team, Super Bowl 51, when the New England Patriots defeated the Atlanta Falcons. But unlike uh, this game, that game featured the Patriots winning the overtime toss, and the rules were not what they are, and that's definitely something we're about to um, get into. But New England took the ball, had all the momentum, whether you you know calculate and qualify it to be real or not, um, went down the field, and James White had a bit of an anticlimactic touchdown, uh, but to um, cap off the greatest comeback in NFL history. Uh, this was different in that sense. This this was Kansas City had to play full complimentary team-wide football, but obviously with the showman out in front and Patrick Mahomes to kind of lead the way. Yeah, and that's kind of been the story of their season, right? It's been, okay, in years past with Kansas City, it's been the offense, it's been the explosive plays, it's been Mahomes. But this year, their defense is fantastic. Their defense played incredibly well in this game. Their defense, and JP clipped it already, it was already on threads, the zero blitz late in the game to like get off the field was, was massive. Um, Spagnuolo did a tremendous job against an offense that had so many weapons, but yes, and I'm sure we're going to dive deeper into it was extremely pass heavy. And we talked going into this game about the specter of Patrick Mahomes and what that does to you and how perhaps one of the biggest battles and biggest matchups in this game was Kyle Shanahan against himself. And you look at the track record now, Super Bowl 54, Super Bowl 51, now this Super Bowl, what his offenses have done in the second half. It's been very pass-heavy. And, yes, twice against Mahomes and once against Tom De Tom Brady, there's your sort of through line. And there that gets to JP's previous point about inevitability and that feeling of inevitability when you see a quarterback take the field. We've seen it with Mahomes right now, and it's something we kind of haven't seen since Brady before which is it doesn't matter what team you're you're on, what team's going against them, what game it is, what the situation it is. You have that feeling that when that quarterback takes the field, the other team's going to lose. It felt so Brady-ish to the point where the big Mahomes scramble in overtime, the 20-yard scramble, 
it's a lot out of the Brady playbook yeah. where nothing is open. And then Tom Brady just decides that he can run for 25 yards. The Brian like, Urlacher. The Urlacher, which I yeah. was at that game. I, that's one of my favorite moments ever from Brady. I don't know if you had more on that front, JP. Um, I guess we have to dive right into it. So um, I mentioned the time that we're recording this, and the Chiefs deserve all the love, and we're going to get to them and throw in them their flowers, even though you guys just did. Uh, but as the game did go to overtime, the story that has just – this is the Super Bowl, and so we all kind of generally you know, watch as one story kind of balloons to be bigger and bigger and bigger than the other. Um, Lindsey Jones of The Ringer had a write-up very early on Monday morning um, because this was the first playoff game, not just Super Bowl, obviously, played under the new playoff format that came as a result of the Buffalo Bills whining and complaining and crying and screaming about, you know, allowing Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to go down the field in 13 seconds, kind of their personal problem. But nevertheless, we live in this reality because of them. And so this was the first playoff game that we got to see it unfold. And, and what I mean by that is, and you guys did a great job, Mark, uh, obviously the SBNation.com team of writing up the you know new playoff rules. Both teams guaranteed a possession, regardless of what happened in the first, whether the Niners had gone down because they did win the toss uh, and chose to take the ball. And they went down the field, they kicked a field goal. And so the Chiefs, all they had to do was score a touchdown to win. That's obviously what happened. Uh, but Mark, Lindsay noted in her story that in speaking with Chiefs players and Niners players after the game, that Kansas City was fully and totally prepared for this, that they had rehearsed this, that they had discussed this, that they had said, hey, this is what we're going to do, how we're going to handle this, whatever, blah, blah, but that the Niners players were completely unaware of the new playoff rules being different from standard overtime rules. Um, this is kind of a bad look for Kyle Shanahan, who blew another 10-point lead in not only a Super Bowl, but a playoff game in general. Yeah, it's a bad look, and it gets to the idea that the good teams are the ones that prepare. Like, like if you want to be a good football team, you prepare, you prepare for situational awareness. And I think one of the more notable things about Lindsay's story was that the chiefs were talking about this all the way back in training camp. This wasn't right. like, Hey, we've made it to the playoffs or we've made it to the super bowl. And we need to make sure that everybody's on the same page with respect to the overtime rules. No, they were talking about this all the way back in training camp. Like, okay, if we get to the playoffs, the rules are different. They had the plan in place. Chris Jones talked about this in the piece where they wanted to go second. Because they wanted to, if they had to, go for two and win the game. And I know that there's been a lot of discussion about was it right to go first? Was it right to win the coin toss and receive? Brian Burke, back when this rule change was done, who's sort of the head of ESPN's analytics department, simulated it 120,000 times or something like that. And it was like 50.29 versus 49.31 in terms of, or 6-1, in terms of whether you want to go first or second. Like, it's literally a coin flip. You, there are pros and cons to do it at both ways. But I think the bigger story is the players not being ready for it, the players not being prepared for it, the players not knowing that, like, look, you know, both teams get the football. You know, Kyle Juszczyk said, well, I assumed we, you know, decided to take the ball first because it was kind of like how it works in, regular, in the regular season. No, it's completely different. And so you do wonder if the mindset – was at a disadvantage for the Niners players not knowing the difference or not being completely made aware of it. Shanahan said that they talked about this, that the coaching staff, the analytics department talked about it. And they said, look, if it comes to this, we'll want to start first. So clearly the people above the players knew what was going on, but you kind of want to let the players know, I think, so they know what to expect and they know what they got to do in this situation. Well, I also think there's an aspect to this of like, Sometimes you just forget. Didn't Donovan McNabb forget the overtime rules a few years back? Like the, he he didn't know like, that that the game could end in a tie. That was what yeah, he didn't, didn't know. He didn't know the game could end in a tie. So I don't think it's as much of a oh Kyle Shanahan messed up on this one. I think it's more a lot of credit to the Chiefs. Like 
like Mark said, the great teams prepare. Uh, it's an aspect, it's a notion that the Belichick New England teams have always had, preparing for every single scenario. We will always have a plan ready in any situation. And the Chiefs should have a plan for this. They're the reason that the overtime rules got changed. So, of course, they would have a, a, a plan for it. But I don't really knock the 49ers for not really, like, the 49ers players for not knowing as much. And I don't even think the decision to take the ball in overtime was a bad decision. I think sometimes you just get got. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think on the decision, like, you know, if you decide to receive – and it goes to sort of the sudden death portion of it. Like, say they get a field goal, then Kansas City matches it with a field goal. Now you get the first crack at winning in sudden death. And so that's kind of the, the advantage there. The advantage, that's what Kyle Shanahan said. That's too. what he, he said. Too. He wanted he like, we wanted the first. That's just, but see, the my flip side that, is if you go yeah. second, one, you know what you have to do, number one. Exactly. And two, they, you've got the chance to, like, say the Niners scored a touchdown, like, you get a chance to end it by going for two. And the other thing, and this is really important with how it played out you're in four down territory off the bat. Like that's the other thing. And this is why I'm kind of leading now to you want to go second in this situation because the Niners look, remember how that chiefs drive started. They had fourth and one deep in their own territory. You got to go like, otherwise it's game over. You can't punt. But if the Niners are facing fourth and one at their own 29 to start, you might have to punt. Like you're automatically in four down territory by going second. So you buy yourself an extra down every series. I'm and completely like it kind of like with the Chiefs what the Chiefs did they killed the entire clock they had they had the rest of overtime to try and score so that's also the benefit of going second but I I agree with the logic in going second I, there's not enough data to to garner like a hard you know opinion on this but like it happens to be Patrick Mahomes so like literally the most lethal quarterback of all time in this kind of set of circumstances but like in in doing this Kyle Shanahan liberated Mahomes and, and the Chiefs. I mean, he he forced them to be more aggressive than usual. I'm I'm completely I think you maybe agree, JP. If if the fourth and one had been on the very first possession of overtime, Kansas City probably punts. Like you can't go for that and risk, you know, not getting it and then San Francisco kicking a field goal and losing the freaking Super Bowl. Like you just can't. And you can't assume that everything would be the same. But again, I, I just come back to like where we started this. Like, it's kind of ridiculous that this was never brought up once in the game, in like the game of all games in a season where this is reality. I mean, like, I don't mean to harp on it, but I think that's, and JP, it's just, I'm, I'm kind of piggybacking off of what you said. Like, this is what separates the good and great teams. And like the chiefs are a great team. They deserve a lot of credit for being prepared for this. And it's very clear that Kyle Shanahan lacks something to connect himself to that area. We can certainly give him all of his earned flowers, but there have been seven Super Bowls where a 10-point lead was squandered, and he has been involved in three of them. You know, obviously, as the Atlanta see it, and now twice with the Niners. Like, Kyle Shanahan is – I don't know what we can, like, qualify this or measure this or, or dub this, but he is a, a handful or a few butterfly flaps of the wings away from being one of the greatest NFL minds of all time with the resume to prove it. But right now, you know, Mark, he's just like – a dude who's, who's he's he's the 90s bills like that's who kyle shanahan is yeah and this is getting us to the next big part of the discussion which jp teed up which is is he gonna have to go get his matthew stafford to finally get over the hump like was brock a pro like do do any of us think that brock like limited them in this game so, so brock purdy did enough to beat a non-alien quarterback yeah sure I think and that <laughs> he played well he played but there's well, a lot of alien quarterbacks in the nfl right now yeah, you, if you're playing any other team, they win the Super Bowl. 
but you ran into Mahomes again and you got got. Like, I think there's also like there's a portion or there's an aspect where it's like, hey, I can see them sticking with Brock Purdy. You know, he's 23 years old. There's still a lot of runway left. And it was his first full-time season as a starter. I don't think they need to make any like rash decisions now. But like if you run into this again, like again, we play the game of ifs. If you run into this again and you do good enough to beat non-Mahomes type quarterbacks, but not enough to beat the Mahomes type quarterbacks, then the conversation comes a little more hairy. Mark, rank the this is a dumb question, but that's my style. Um, rank the the performances against Mahomes's Chiefs, and you can rank them against Mahomes or against Bags if you'd prefer, that we have seen over Kansas City's last three games. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Brock Purdy. So I don't think Brock Purdy had the worst game. No, I mean, I think Lamar had the worst game of the three. So are we throwing Lamar out too? No, I mean, you know no, what I mean? No, no, like, no, but Lamar's a two-time MVP. Like, but the second one was kind of hollow. I mean, you know. Come on. As a Dax fan, I'm obligated to say that. But my, the, the general point here, or the, the no, I mean, point I, is I, Brock, I think Brock is not a problem right he now. He was not the reason they lost that game. Like, he wasn't the reason they lost. But that stretch of the third quarter where they went super pass heavy and a lot of them ended up being incompletions and there were some throws that he probably got away with, certainly contributed and didn't make it easier for them to win that game. But I don't think, like JP said, there has to be any rash decisions. Like, I don't think we're going to hear an announcement in the next couple of weeks that Kirk Cousins is coming to San Francisco or something like that. But we know what awaits. We're going to get six months of does Shanahan need to do something differently to win a Super Bowl? Because, you know, if you have an alien quarterback of your own, it makes it a little bit easier to win a game like this. But and it's going to be really difficult going forward because for the, for the Niners, you're not playing to beat the NFC quarterbacks anymore. Right. You're playing to beat the homes. You're you're preparing for the offseason to beat Mahomes and those type of quarterbacks. We'll see. I think, again, there's still a long runway of development for Brock Purdy. I think he could possibly get there. He did a lot of stuff last night that was like, oh, that was really cool from you. But he's 23 years old. Let's I see. just – so the benefit of Purdy right now is the rookie contract and, like, the all-time rookie contract given, you know, his draft. I don't know if you guys know this. He was the last pick in the draft. And so – but, like – how how much more souped up can the Niners be? I mean, like, and I, this is how, you know, you both heard me lament about the Cowboys, how they had home field and all this stuff. If you're the Niners, like, how many, you need another all-pro. You need you need another alien skill position player. You need another all-world defensive superstar. You, you need Patrick Mahomes to be the weakest version of himself that we've ever seen throughout his incredible career. Like, I mean, it, it, it really is a devastating reality for San Francisco, Mark, and that it's like, if you can't beat them, like, I think the 2019 Patriots were kind of that team, you know, like, like one of the, the weaker Patriots teams, obviously, yeah. and, and they got got, you know what I mean? Like, shout out to Tennessee for doing that. And obviously, that was ironically the first Mahomes title at this point. But like, you have to get these teams, these all time teams when they're weak and San Francisco failed. So what happens when they're not weak anymore? Yeah, I mean, that that's a million-dollar question. I think a lot of Buffalo Bills fans are feeling that same way. You know, I was on WGR before this game, and Bills fans are still like, we don't know if we're ever going to get Mahomes now because this was our year. We had, you know, the Chiefs at home. Like, we were the hottest team in football. They were struggling, and they still got us. Like, if not now, when? And I think the Niners are probably thinking the same thing. And, and maybe the thinking inside that building is like, if we had a Kirk Cousins or another quarterback, it wouldn't matter. Because it's still Patrick Mahomes. It's still 
Travis Kelsey. It's still Andy Reid. It's still Steve Spagnuolo, who deserves all the credit that we can give him. And, you know, there's probably – there's a lot of backlogs in terms of people getting into the Hall of Fame. But I do wonder if Spags has put himself in contention as well because you look at what he's done against this Niners team, against Brady and that team. That's been an impressive run from him. I think there was a stat that went around last night after the Chiefs won. The Chiefs played, I believe, four of the top five teams in offensive DVOA yep. this year and held them to 18.6 points per game in the playoffs. Like that, that, that's that's an insane, <laughs> like, And that's they an have Patrick point. Mahomes when they're not doing that. You know what I mean? Like that's absurd. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Clark said exactly yeah. that on X this morning. He was just like, put that out there. And it's like, and they've got Mahomes. Good luck. This might not be the best team that Mahomes has had in the Chiefs era, but this is the most complete team that Mahomes has had in this era. It's the ability to, oh, we're just going to figure it out offensively while the defense is a top five unit. And then when they figure it out, they add that on top of a top five defensive unit. It's it's unfair. They can't keep getting away with it, but somehow they keep doing it. I, I hate to like simplify everything, but like they traded Tyreek Hill and have won back-to-back titles and, and, and they beat Hill's Dolphins in, in route to one of them. Not that that's, you know, the way it sounds, but like it's, it's impossible. Like what they're doing. It, it truly totally is impossible. I mean, they, this is a, a, a Madden career. You know what I mean? That you play and you're like, Oh, this would never happen in real life. You know what I mean? And then it did like, it really did. Like Mark, again, we talked about this after they won the AFC, but it's, it's really hard to not feel like, you know, Brady should be looking over his shoulder. It, there's a, a obviously a large gap, but Mahomes is only 28. I mean, it's it's very, very difficult to conceive that he's not going to walk away with at least two or three you know, more before it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, Brady was 28 when he, when he had his three, but, you know, Mahomes is still a little bit younger. Um, you know, I, I was thinking this, and it's different sports, so it's obviously very, very, very different, but Tiger, right? when it was clear that like Tiger's going to get the record, like he's going to win, he's going to grab the most majors in PGA history. That felt inevitable and it didn't happen, but that's an individual sport. And obviously there's a lot that happened with Tiger that. Sure. That's a great great point to bring up here. But with football, there's like a lot more moving parts. You know, there's a lot more moving parts. Like if, you know, Travis Kelsey decides, you know what, I'm just going to go touring with Taylor and, and do the New Heights podcast with my brother and walks away from the game. Like, the offense obviously looks a little bit different. Like, you've got free agency. You've got so many moving pieces. You've got the fact that Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, like, you've still got some monsters at the quarterback position to get through yet again. Could he catch him? Does it seem inevitable right now? Absolutely. But there is a long way to go. But I also think that plays into a different comparison, and I know it's a very lofty one, but Kevin Clark made it last night after the game. It's kind of Jordan-ish. And the reason it's Jordan-ish is because think about all the players that were relegated to minor characters in the Jordan story. You know, Charles Barkley is an all-time player who never won a title because he had to beat Jordan. You know, like, it took Jordan retiring for two years to get Hakeem two titles like it it's feeling like that and not only i'm not saying like patrick mahomes is michael jordan that is not what i'm saying here but it feels like in terms of mahomes in relation to all the other monsters at quarterback we're gonna go we're gonna look back at their careers later down the line and be like man like these players are all really good 
but they didn't win a lot because oh it was it was Jordan like it was it was Mahomes you know like he, they just couldn't beat that guy it's I mean these players to your point like list them off I mean Hakeem obviously got his but we have John Stockton, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, right? Like we could go on and on and on. Just the, the misfortune of of playing in that era, right? Like it's just, a, you know, bad for, for you. Um, and then like I, I'm a Spurs fan um, and like the, the fortune of like your time landing right when that time ends, right? Like t- time and sports and life can be funny like that. And so you're right. Like it's got to be really devastating to think about life if you're anybody. I mean, like if you're Josh Allen, Lamar, if you're Lamar Jackson, Mark, you have two MVPs and at the end of both of them, Patrick Mahomes lifted the Lombardi and those aren't even all of his Super Bowl wins at this point in time. It's just it's impossible. Like no one. We're, we're sitting here wondering whether Mahomes can catch Brady. Who can catch Mahomes? Like, like at this point in time, like nobody. I mean, even players who have titles, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson have fewer titles between the two of them, you know, than Patrick Mahomes does. I mean, how many other active quarterbacks even have a title? Matthew Stafford? Am I forgetting Matthew anybody Stafford, else? Stafford. So Mahomes it's literally Stafford. has as many titles by himself than literally every other active quarterback in the NFL. Is that correct? Am I forgetting somebody? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm trying Russ to has, I'm, I'm quickly looking at all teams. Russ has, Russ has one. Rogers has one. Stafford has uh, Joe, one. I guess if you consider Joe Flacco, I mean, and you should. But oh, that Joe would be a, that would be okay. that would be a fourth. Yeah. Um. That's it. I mean, so yeah, all non Patrick Mahomes quarterbacks in the NFL have four combined Super Bowl wins as starters. The earliest of which came what now 14 years ago. That, that's the thing. Rogers in 10. Um. Flacco in 12 and Russ in 13. But since then, it's just Mahomes and everybody else is Mahomes. I talked about the Spurs, Mark. He happened to land in the era where Brady, Peyton, Ben, Phillip, they all faded out. And now it's just his world to conquer and own all by himself. Yeah. And if you think and, about like, you know, Marino, right, was the quarterback that we all thought was going to win a bunch of these and never got back to a Super Bowl, you know, after losing to Montana. Mahomes is going to turn all these other great quarterbacks, or we're on the verge of him turning all these other great quarterbacks into our generation's Marinos, right? Like these great quarterbacks that we thought were going to win a Super Bowl, like, you know, Herbert, Burrow, all of these great quarterbacks we're thinking are going to win a title may not. They may all end up Mike Marino because of Patrick Mahomes. And it's not only like turning them into the Marino or the Charles Barkley of this era. It's, they played great. Yeah. Like they played <laughs> yeah. great against Steves, but they didn't do good enough. Like it's the th- that's the thing we talked about with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy played well, but it wasn't good enough to beat Mahomes. Josh Allen played all Josh Allen has played awesome in every game that he has played against the Chiefs, but it was not good enough to beat Mahomes. Joe Burrow is the only person to have Joe Burrow is the only person to beat Mahomes in the playoffs. But even then, it wasn't that great of a Joe Burrow game. Like well, the best it, it featured a collapse from Kansas City. Like they, what was the, well, they were up like twenty three to nothing or whatever it was at this point, yeah, or like, like during the title game. Like it was best, like they had a big lead. I mean, yeah. is the point? The best Joe Burrow game against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes one on one ankle. Like it's just it's inevitable. Jalen Hurts played a phenomenal game in the Super Bowl last year, and it didn't matter. Well, in the 2022 Eagles are literally one of the greatest regular season teams of all time. The 2023 Niners and 2023 Ravens are among the greatest individual teams that DVOA has ever calculated. I mean, so like who who is like 
it's impossible. I mean, it, I, I hate to. And here's the thing, Mark. He has lost an AFC championship game. He has lost a Super Bowl. Those things have happened in separate seasons that are completely and totally apart from his three titles. Yeah, he's lost two AFC and, championship games and a Super Bowl. And he's got three I, titles. Yeah, I'm not like, even mentioning the first title game. <laughs> like, it's absurd what they've done. It's absurd what he's done. He Patrick Holmes has lost one playoff game in regulation, and that was the Super Bowl against the Bucs. Every other every other playoff game that Patrick Mahomes has played in, it's he's won or it's had to go to overtime. Like that's an insane stretch of consistency in high level play. I mean, Mark, imagine they're in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs are next year playing the Lions, and the Lions are up ten, you know, by ten points. Like there's the graphic all of a sudden, like oh, Mahomes and the Chiefs are you know three and zero when being down by ten points. Or although you know, I, in the Super Bowl. I, I think it's fair to point out that they will be playing not the Lions next year, but the Seahawks because they just dropped the Super Bowl <laughs> logo for next year, and it's Good red point. and green, and okay. so, and it's like neon green. It's not like Eagles green. So. Start your conspiracy theories now, kids. The Seahawks in the Super Bowl would be so chaotic. I'm here for it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Andy Reid ranks where in all-time coaches? JP. Mm. Uh, Not the innovator that Bill Walsh was. And some of that's just Bill Walsh got there first. You know, so innovation happens when there's more in front of you. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, he's... Like the fact that people thought he would retire after the first one, he's got to be like, y'all are stupid. Like I, I would have missed out on, you know, like Andy Reid used to be a joke. People used to laugh about his ability to manage the clock. And now he has three titles. Like he, I don't know where he would rank in terms of all time head coaches. I think he's easily like top 10, Yeah, but I don't know how high he goes in that 10, but the shift like from, Oh, this guy can't win the big one. To now, he has the most Super Bowls of any current head coach in the NFL. Like, not only that, but his ability to consistently prepare his teams and always have the upper hand has always been one of the best parts about the Chiefs, like as a whole, during the Reed era. Mark, who are we? Like, whose name have we not mentioned? That deserves love. I have an answer. I'd like us each to go around the bend. I'm just gonna go first because I've been feeling narcissistic. Trent McDuffie, holy crap! Um, like we talked a lot about the Jerry Snead, obviously all season long, but Trent McDuffie at the beginning of this game, 
came up like a superstar. I mean, and was a superstar all game long. Trent McDuffie. Hey, how about that? JP United. All Mark thinks about players. You agree, obviously. I obviously I agree. Okay. Trent McDuffie was the best player on the field. I expected last kind of a round of applause, and neither of you gave it to me. So whatever. You know. Trent McDuffie was the best player on the field last night. You think about every big play that happened from Chiefs defense. McDuffie was involved in it. The bad it passed during the two-minute drill that forced mm-hmm. the Niners to kick a field goal. The big PBU at the beginning of the game. The PBU in overtime on the Debo dig route where he ran the route for him. That's the reason the night the Chiefs played so much man defense that caught the Niners off guard. The Niners have not seen man defense a lot because they don't nobody has enough dudes to guard them like that. But the Chiefs do. Um Trent McDuffie got the Debo assignment and it, he was phenomenal. Like it's it was insane. I think the player that I would mention, and I want to bring up a question because I saw it on Twitter. I'm going to mention Chris Jones. And uh, where does Chris Jones rank on all-time defensive tackles list? Like, I've, he he's an interesting case because he also plays in the same era as the greatest defensive tackle ever. But, like, he has his moments. He is a – he is one of the biggest – he's one of the best big game players that we have ever seen on the defensive side of the ball. And – he consistently – he was a game record yesterday. He completely changed the outcome of that game. He had some Dante Hightower, big game moment kind of energy. Um, I agree with that. I think I think he's the biggest beneficiary from a legacy standpoint of the team's success, if that makes sense. And I don't mean that as a slight against him. But, like, the core four that we'll remember about these Chiefs when it's all said and done and all of their success – are Mahomes, Kelsey, Reed, and Chris Jones. And I think the least great, although still great, at their respective job is Chris Jones. And I think that, I mean, he's probably in the Hall of Fame now. With three, three The other three certainly are. But he, the, the third title really helps. And I, we all obviously monitored his contract situation last year. I think if you're Chris Jones, you're like, hell yeah, I'm coming back because I get a fourth. I'm Like, he's definitely in the Hall of Fame at that point in time. Like, so um, I don't know if that's an answer. But I don't know if you have a, a Chris Jones take mark. I I mean, yeah, I, I think he's probably in at this point. I mean, because, you know, depending on criteria that you use for Hall of Fame, like best player, your position over like one, two, three, four, five year stretch or whatever, he's in that conversation right now. I mean, he's not Aaron Donald, but he's up there. And so, yeah, if he comes back and gets a fourth right, absolutely. I think in terms of like somebody else that should get some flowers, and I think it's very interesting that we're going to have three Chiefs defensive players now. Leo Chanel. Like you had the fumble, and and JP wrote about him going into this game. He talked about him going into this game. He had the fumble early and the blocked PAT. Like that ended up being a pretty big moment in this game. That changed like the entire ending. And obviously, what the Chiefs had to do at the end, where they could settle for three and just get to overtime as opposed to having to punch it into the end zone. And so, there's another player that, yeah, he's probably not, you know, winning MVP or Hall of Fame consideration as a result of this game. But he's a big reason they won. His ability to set the edge yeah. in the run game, especially when they went to 22 or 21 personnel, yeah. which the Niners live in, was huge. I also want to shout out Mike Pinnell, who played like the greatest, like one of the best games I've seen from Mike Pinnell ever in terms of defending the run. He had a crazy rep against Trent Williams, where it was awesome. He uh, Instead of taking on the car, he took on the tackle. Oh, we've got a situation. We got a situation. Oh, so, um, so I'm as as JP tends to the situation, Mark. Um, 
the highlights from overtime are on NFL Network behind you. And I forget when I saw this. It was some point during the season, and I forget who tweeted it, so apologies. But Mahomes and his ability to scramble, because that's those are the highlights are on. He is like, I don't know that deceptively fast is the way to put it. He is the most efficient scrambler I've ever seen. Like it feels like every scramble he has is so like he gets the absolute most possible out of it. I don't know how to qualify that. Yeah, and it's it's your first shout out to my friend Jake from Threads. What's up, Jake? Great to see you on here. Um, Kevin Cole. Jake likes your Williams kit, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he, he's a big F one guy. Um, Kevin Cole, who does that great unexpected points, you know, thing right, every right. Monday. Most of Mahomes' EPA from the Super Bowl came on those scrambles. And At the end, right? I I think. The the ways I've heard him described, like he runs like a dad trying not to wake up his kids, or he runs like a dad at the barbecue trying not to spill his beer. They're all very humorous, but it's so effective when he does it. And I thought it was brilliant, you know, the fourth down play where they just go zone read with Patrick Mahomes. They had a short yardage play, they just go zone read. The fourth and one where it's just like sort of a sprint option. It's either he's going to throw to Kelsey in the flat or he's going to run it. Like they don't need to use his athleticism. Like you obviously don't want to expose Patrick Mahomes to more hits than you need to, but it's one heck of a card to play in a short yarded situation or one heck of a thing to have in the bag. If you drop eight into coverage and everybody is locked up, but he can still scramble for 23 yards and get, you know, third and seven into first and 10 in the blink of an eye. I don't We didn't know if you were free now, Jake. Yeah. Do you have a housekeeping situation or what's going on there? I think that play was really interesting because <laughs> when you look at it, it's basically a triple option. Yeah. Are we? Do we have an internet issue? I'm back. I'm back. Hi, guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> say it again. JP, you're good. JP, just give us your thoughts, JP. Yeah, let's see. Let's, just let's, go. let's test the thoughts. Thanks for the studio space. So that, I thought that was cool. Um, different question. We asked who whose name we hadn't mentioned that deserves some love. Mark, I'll start with you. Who deserved to win this game that didn't? Hmm. Who deserved to win this game that didn't? Juwan Jennings. He would have been MVP. He would have right? been MVP, we, we, yeah, right? Okay. Like, right for sure. First, you know, player since Nick Foles to, or, or I guess the only player along with Nick Foles to both throw a touchdown and catch a touchdown in Super Bowl history. Like you, you know, you always get, and we just talked about some sort of the unsung heroes that that lead to a Super Bowl title. Yeah, he was in line to be MVP, and I think he's somebody that you know deserved to win in a losing effort. Do you have one, JP? Um, Mark took mine. I was gonna say Jawan Jennings. I'll go. But... I'll go. I'll I'll go and buy you some time because it was my questions. I've been thinking about it. Um, this is pretty chalk, but Christian McCaffrey. I mean, like he was, you know, contained, and he had the fumble that was just such a bummer. I mean, obviously, but like he showed up in the in the fourth quarter, and when when they were, it it really started to feel like, oh man, like this is it. This is their moment, and it it's such a cool thing when the superstars have superstar moments when superstar moments are necessary and it felt like he delivered on that you know near the end of this game and it just wasn't enough and so you know like I'm a big fan of superstars winning titles it was great to see to that point Aaron Donald get a title Jalen Ramsey get a title like those are players who deserve that and Christian McCaffrey's one of those that just missed out um for mine I'm gonna go I'm gonna kind of cheat here I'm gonna go with the Niners defense 
they all played phenomenally. That was a ama- that was an amazing game plan up until like the last minutes of the game. Fred Warner was a monster for the entire game, but the pass rush plan by Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead was phenomenal. But their ability to get up the field but not break contain kind of constricted that offense for a large portion of the game. So in terms of players who should have won that t- won a title, I'm gonna go with Fred Warner and that defense. And like it's crazy to think about like Fred Warner in terms of aspects of like modern, like where he ranks among modern linebackers, because he could end up in that like Luke Keekley range where we all knew he was phenomenal and knew he was one of the best to play the sport, but just hasn't gotten that title yet. Um the Dre Greenlaw thing was just devastating. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't even know how to just talk about it. Like, yeah, it's just like gut wretched, you know, to be on that stage in that moment, and you know, to see the you know, non-contact injury aside, to do it taking the field. I think there's another layer to it where it's like, you know, it's obviously it wasn't for the first drive of the game, but to do it like coming on to the field to play in a Super Bowl, there's like a painful romanticism to that. It's like, it's not like he was like chasing down somebody or right. running down Kelsey in the open field. It's like, he's coming on to the field, to the stage that you want to be on. The second you put on the helmet and shoulder pads as a nine-year-old, you're like, I want to play in the Super Bowl someday. And to have him go down in that moment just adds another layer of agony to it, I think. I think what's, you know, I mean, that takes him out, what, like halfway into the season too? I mean, you know what I mean? Like the, just the yeah. timing of it is horrible. And what I really hate is that he will be in all likelihood used as an example of like, don't allow yourself to get too jacked. I mean, cause he was clearly, I mean, like it would have been like, I don't know what it would have been like if he'd met Isaiah Pacheco, you know what I'm saying? Like he was clearly juiced. And I mean, just tried to like sprint onto the field. I mean, it's just a freak accident. It's a freak thing. But I mean, it just, it was the most somber part of the evening, JP. It's so much of like, I want to say, like, I want to poo-poo it because it was a very drastic injury that changed the outlook of the game defensively for San Francisco. But in terms of, like, conspiracies or anything like that, it's more just, like, shit happens. Like, it happens. Like, that's a freak accident that you can't really – you can't plan on, oh, this guy's going to rupture an Achilles trying to jog onto the field. Like, something you just can't explain it. It's um, I mean, man, it was just. He also, I mean, like, it's 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 just weird how he also was the player thrown out with the big dom thing, like, and that was that. It felt like that really turned the season for San Francisco back around after they'd had that three game losing streak, and obviously at the time it was the meeting between them and Philly, and it felt like that moment was what like turned them back into the monsters that they became. It's just, man, um. Where do the Niners go from here, Mark? Because it's easy to it's easy to figure out where the Chiefs go. The Chiefs, life is great. Life is awesome. You know, they're three-time world champions in recent history. They're probably going to win a fourth next year. They have the chance to be the first into three. Cool. We know all that. But the Niners are the more fascinating team to kind of watch the fallout from. Yeah. I mean, and, and you do sort of wonder about the Super Bowl losers sort of curse handover effect. We've seen that before from some teams that have got here and then wheels can come off the following season. They're still such a talented roster. 
Like I haven't looked yet as to like free agency decisions that they have coming up. There's nothing really massive. Like, there's, there's nothing, nothing like, yeah, whoa. I didn't think there was. Cause I looked at it briefly last week. I, you're still in a very good position. You are still in a, you know, division where you can contend for the division title. You're still in a conference that while there are some talented quarterbacks around and some good teams, it's not like we've talked about with the AFC and what Mahomes and company have had to get through. So I don't think you have to sort of wildly overreact. You're still in a good position. It's just how do you come back from two just emotionally crushing seasons the way that they've ended? You have the NFC Championship game with Purdy going down, and you had all offseason to get geared up. Now you get this where you're minutes away from a title, and you lose in overtime. Like, those are two big hard losses to come back from. They were able to do it this season. This one's a little bit different because now you had everybody. Last season it was we had, you know, Purdy got hurt. It was different. Like if we were healthy, we're fine. You were healthy for the most part, other than, you know, Greenlaw going down here and you still lost. I actually think the 49ers outlook is a really interesting one from a long-term perspective because now you're bringing into the aspect of what do you do about a Purdy extension if he continues to play at this level? That that discussion is going to happen, I think, after the 2024 season. That discussion is going to break every social media app you are on. Um, what they do about the Brandon Ayuk extension is going to be massive. He should be priority number one. He is their best wide receiver. And he also has a great chemistry with uh, Brock Purdy. Uh, what they do, I don't think uh, Randy Gregory is going to come back. Chase Young is going to be another interesting, ex- do they extend him or do they let him walk this year? It's, that's going to be a really interesting thing to look at this offseason, but I think the road becomes more difficult now because you're eventually going to have to pay Brock Purdy, and whatever you pay him could end up being – it's going to shape how they manage the team now because like RJ said, they've had the benefit of doing all this on a Ricky QB quarterback contract. And now, you know, now it's going to get a little difficult. I think – how much Tua gets this offseason is going to frame how much Brock Purdy gets next offseason or whenever he gets his money. Um, man, um, the irony that was all over the place for me that Jawan Jennings threw the first touchdown when, to your point, Mark, that all they complained about was not having a quarterback, rightfully so, but in the title game last year, it's like, oh, so the first touchdown pass thrown was – not from a quarterback. I mean, it's just kind of funny. I think my um, favorite part of that, though, is the fact that he was a higher graded recruit as a quarterback <laughs> than Joe Burrow and his teammate Sam Darnold, which um, is, is perfect. Um, that, I mean, that this happened in Jimmy Garoppolo's house, technically, is funny um, and ironic. Um, I just, the, the Chiefs are going to, own everything like they're gonna have all irony all records all fun like this is completely and totally their world and we're all just living in it and on sunday night san francisco happened to be the team in the blender of hell like i mean it was just at least they all got to see usher though um what was your what was your favorite song they were in the locker room well i mean you got to hear it what was your favorite song mark i mean look i said going in yeah it's my favorite usher song and i was excited that he played it um I thought it was a good performance. Like the, the mics. Don't do it. Don't you dare. What? 
Don't you dare hate on that. That's how that sounded no, like. I, I feel okay. like the mic was just in and out. Like, especially when he had the, you know, the wow. ear mic, like when he went wow. to the handheld, like, look, it was an entertaining performance. I loved every second of it. I just think he was let down by technology a bit. And JP, Alicia Keys, that moment? red piano. I want that. Like that. Period. Where do they store that? Like what, what, like what use is there for that? year round i mean it's you know a what I mean? it done situation with that thing right? yeah like it's not like, a, like, it's a what, like what hotel lobby is that thing in yeah maybe you just want to play the piano just go hop downstairs and play the piano on the, the largest the answer we were looking for in terms of best you know song was the sequence from confessions to burn to you got a bad that was like all of a sudden yeah, i was yeah, that was I was at a middle school dance all over again, um, just like hanging out on the wall by myself, not talking to anybody. Like it was really. Yeah. Really, really RJ, great. do you have something you need to? No, I mean, look, it was <laughs> it was a magical time. Look, I was already in that mindset because of JJ Watt's hair. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. I, um, you can't hard launch that on Super Bowl Sunday, man. Like, and yeah. he even knows that people caught on because he had the tweet that went out like in the second half or something like that. He's rolling into it and having some fun with it. Yeah. So good for JJ. But um, yeah, it felt like 2003. It's really just kind of how, yeah. you know, how I was rolling and operating. But I, do want to um, say that, uh, I watched with Gina, uh, Gina Kelly, of course, colleague, great, great colleague that we have at SB Nation. I said before the show, I think Usher's going to start with Caught Up. And then he started with Caught Up. So I just want to say, I, I was out in front of that. Look, you predicted Lamar's MVP. And caught up as the first song of the Super Bowl halftime show. Like I think that's a W for the season. Well, and I, I think, think yeah, I think that um, JP, we should say now, you absolutely killed Super Bowl week, my man. Yeah, uh, you were all over the place, hustling and bustling, all sorts of interviews. Everybody, check out SBNation.com. JP wrote about all of them. I don't know how you have the energy to sit up at this point in time because you've been um, moving and grooving. I don't know either. I'm gonna get on this flight and then go straight to sleep. Um, do you have a, a like seriously a serious question? Do you have something you're gonna do on the flight? You have a movie on deck or anything like that? Um, no plans, honestly. At first, um, I watched T.A.G. Ninja Turtles: Mutant, Mutant Mayhem on the way into Vegas. Phenomenal movie, very fun. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't know. We'll see what we'll see what comes to mind. Maybe I'll just listen to music, kind of zone out. But the flight from L.A. to Orlando is going to be a Going to be a big one, so we'll it's, it's going to be Debo and Brandon Ayuk sitting on the sideline in overtime, letting you know, watching Mahomes, you know, go down the field. That's exactly what it's going to be. Um, Mark, before we get out of here and obviously do all the things that we have to do, um, you had a very busy beginning of the week last week in New York, so please tell us, um, what happened and where we can access all the wonderful content that you produced. I did just very quickly, uh, Williams F1 actually very quickly. Here. Screw that, it's no, a podcast, quickly. we don't have a time limit. Yeah, I mean, no? you know, this is an NFL show, not an F1 show, but Williams launched their FW46, their challenger, their car for the upcoming F1 season in New York City at a live event at the Puma store in Midtown. And they were silly enough to invite me. And a quick little story about it. Um, your hero is not the most comfortable with heights. Let's just put it that way. And so when I found out they were going to be in New York City, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll go and I'll deal with it if I have to. So they sent out an invitation with the details and it was at 45 Rockefeller Plaza which I immediately looked up. It's not 30 rock. It was a 40, it's a 40 story art deco office building. I was excited. I can do 40 and down. Like that's no big deal. But when I got there, um, there were a bunch of us milling around in the lobby. The security guards had no idea what we were talking about. And they were like, no, 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 no. Um, you're supposed to be at 30 rock. So I was like, great. So we're going to go to 30 rock. 
And before I knew it, I was in the Rainbow Room, 65 stories above New York City with a beautiful view south down towards the World Trade Center. And in fact, the picture I took is I was literally, when we had the media roundtable, like seated right across from James Viles, Alex Albon, and Logan Sargent. And I snapped this quick little photo of Logan Sargent, and you can see the very top of the Empire State Building, and it's clear that it's below where we are. So if you know the Empire State Building, I was above that. And so, yeah, for about three hours on Monday, I was fighting back my fear of heights. But we got through it. Some good content. You survived. I You're survived. stronger for it, Mark. I'm stronger Look at for you. it. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, well, everyone, check out our F1 hub at SBNation.com, where Mark does great uh, work all year round. Uh, but certainly um, on the heels of this, that was very, very cool. Uh, great job, Mark. Great job, JP. Rachel, great job in advance of telling us your thoughts on Super Bowl 58. Um, the winner, the loser, the things you hated, the things you loved. Obviously, Usher's halftime performance. Um, I'm sorry that I didn't get to offer an Usher song for the NFC's mixtape last week. So that's my bad. But I would have gone with DJ God has fallen in love. And he didn't perform it, obviously. So, Rachel, the floor is yours. Please, all that and crown the MF double MVP. First of all, shout out to all of you guys because you crushed it. I know, RJ, you were shouting out the two of them. You also crushed it. Yes, well. you did, buddy. You guys were putting out for us at SB Nation. We appreciate it. So shout out to all three of you guys for the dope work that you guys did last week. Um, I, You guys touched on all of the biggest takeaways I had from the game. Definitely Dre Greenlaw. That was one of mine. When I saw that happening, me and my brother were like, yo, that's the worst way to go out like at the big game. So that sucked. Um, just, you know, Patrick Mahomes, we all called it when we were talking about it last week, previewing the game. He's the GOAT, and it is what it is. Can't really root against him. You got to respect him, but it would have been nice to see another team win. But, you know, good shout-out to <laughs> the Chiefs and everything, Taylor Swift, uh, Travis Kelsey, all that. <laughs> Love, uh, let it burn. Also, that was probably my favorite part. I called the skates. He brought out the skates. The tickets for his concert are currently on sale, so I'll be on the lookout for that. Um, and I thought it was really cool how he brought out Jackson State's band to uh, perform. Uh, so that was really cool. Shout out to the HBCUs out there. But all of you guys killed it today. I'm going to give it to RJ. Wow. Uh, I'm humbled. Um, this is the first one since Super Bowl 58 happened, so basically means that me and the Chiefs are on the same you know, Absolutely. Stratosphere. Yeah. Uh, so um, congratulations to us. Um, I do want to use this moment to say that um, while I have no issues with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift or anything like that, the Viva Las Vegas thing was super awkward. Like it was very awkward how he was singing it. Yeah. Because I thought he was just going to do like one Viva Las Vegas and then he waited for the pause and then he did like the whole verse, which was just incredibly awkward and uncomfortable. I felt very awkward and uncomfortable. Um, I naturally do. So like this exacerbated that for me. So that was what I wanted to, to use this moment to highlight um, was Travis Kelsey doing that. But Travis Kelsey did deliver when the moment um, asked him to the most. And that's kind of badass that, you know, people can do that. So yeah. uh, JP, have a safe flight. Download a movie now before you regret it. Get it now so that when you're on airplane mode, you can watch it. Uh, but safe flight. Happy trails. Um, getting back to Orlando. Mark, uh, congratulations on being best friends. Are you better friends with Logan Sargent or Alex Alba? I'd say Logan. Yeah. Who was, um, who did pick the Niners in this game. And you're, and you're a Patriot. No, I mean, maybe you could say that. I just, <laughs> I just felt more like, you know, more like fish out of water in a sense. Cause he's an American driver in F1. I was, you know, in the rainbow room trying to figure out where I was at. Like there, there was more of a simpatico thing going on there. Okay. Well said. Uh, Rachel, um, congratulations to the Ravens on winning Super Bowl 59. Back in New Orleans. Thanks. Let's speak yeah. it. <laughs> uh, let's get out of here. And as we do, Mark, tell us your favorite snack at the movies. 
it's it's just old school. It's just popcorn with a lot with an obscene amount of butter on it, like an unhealthy amount. I guess we'll take that. Like to the okay. point where you feel nauseous when you're done. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.